just thank you tonight, God. Thank you for your mercy, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord. We humble ourselves in your presence, God. We invite you into this place, God, into our hearts tonight. Father, I pray that you bless this service. Open our ears to hear. Help me to speak, God. Without you, this is just information, God. It's just words. I pray, God, that you would anoint this place tonight, Lord. Fill it with your spirit, Father. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Help us, Lord, tonight to hear you. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I think this thing's recording. I'm not real sure. Um, Rachel likes it when I preach because uh, I have to shave. And uh, I told her this morning, I said, you like it when I preach because I have to shave. She said, I said, Moses, Moses had a beard. And she said, I bet Moses kept his beard trimmed, too. Um, I want to talk a little bit tonight about what the Lord gave me, fear, the subject of fear and eternity and the shortness and brevity of this life that we have here on this earth, right? How we can't really grasp the concept of eternity and how God is eternal. Uh, Hopefully the Lord will help us here tonight, maybe take a little piece of that take hold of that this last two years obviously for so many people around the world have had so many challenges in so many ways and I just seen some people that I really love and respected and just just some of the behavior I guess just the way they had succumbed to fear and I just think man that's no way to live your life you know and especially Christians in the church and what we've been given this gift that God has put in us for a time such as this. We're not to live in fear. We're not to succumb to fear. We're not to live our lives in constant fear. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. He's given us his Holy Spirit, right? Um, So fear as a military tactic, you know that I was in the military, Ancient and modern warriors throughout history have used fear to intimidate um, their enemies before battle. They would beat drums. The Mongolians, like Genghis Khan, they would, were known for screaming at their enemies as they ran into battle. When I was in Iraq, we did this thing. It was called a show of force, and it was the first thing we did when we got into country. Uh, it was basically you get all your gear on and put every gun you have on every piece of equipment you have and you drive through the street playing heavy metal music. And it was meant to intimidate, to show the enemy that we have this capability and we'll use it if we have to. But it was purely a tactic. It was just to get in the minds of the enemy before the battle even really started for us. It was the first thing we did. Maybe you've heard of uh, the Hawaiian or the, the, the Maori tribes, the Polynesian tribes. Uh, um, they would do this war dance. It's very intimidating. It's called a haka. And they would scream and spit and stick their tongues out and bulge their eyes out. And it's very scary to watch them do it. 
it's also very cool to watch them. The Vikings or the Norse, they were known for uh, wearing animal skins on their bodies of animals they had killed covered in blood. And they would take these plants or hallucinogens and rub them on their self and their skin would be numb. And they were these, they were called berserkers. And they were these giant men covered in blood and animal skins and just running through battle. Probably not a very effective warrior today, but you can imagine what something like that, if you were facing that, you wouldn't know if you were fighting an animal or a man, just a crazed man coming at you with weapons. And it must have been very scary to see someone like that, right? Fear as an intimidation. Think about David and Goliath when Goliath stood before the Israelites and taunted them, right? This giant of a man, and he's saying, who will fight me, right? And you dogs, right? And David, until David said, I've had enough of this, amen? Fear was used to frighten enemies, it still is, to weaken their constitution into quitting a battle before it even began. The same tactics are used today by Satan. There's no difference. There's nothing new under the sun. And he is meant to discourage you, to weaken your faith, to make you not believe in Christ, not believe in his ability, and to make you want to give up and quit before we've even really got into a battle. And I'm not here to discount the trials and tribulations and battles you've faced in your life, but we face an age where our, it's a, a, our culture is even against us. In our own country, where we're seeing things we would have never in our lifetime thought that we would see these things in your own culture, in your own neighbors or against you. Amen. People are afraid today to speak the truth, to speak righteousness, to preach the word, to stand up for something that they believe in against something that they don't believe in. The LBGTQ agenda. Transgenderism push on young kids. Trans uh, drag queen story hour. These things. Filth. Abominations before God. And this is what's happening in the indoctrinating of schools and colleges all over our country. A country that was once based on Christian values is unrecognizable today. And many are afraid to speak up. To stand on the word of God. To say, thus saith the Lord. Right? It's not good enough anymore to just be quiet about it. If you don't be careful and take a stand where you can in your circle of influence, or maybe the Lord will give you a bigger platform, and stand for truth in this hour, you will live in a world that is unrecognizable. And certainly against what God had intended it. Amen. I was talking to a man um, a couple weeks ago. He told me this really awesome story about this sword fight that occurred in history. Uh, and it was this, I don't know how these two people found out about each other, but it was a Japanese swordsman. This was hundreds of years ago. 
and these Polish swordsmen and these Japanese swordsmen, they were known for never have been defeated in battle. And so these Polish swordsmen challenged them to a duel. This was a type of duel to death. That's what they did. It wasn't for ESPN or TV then, but it was for honor and things like that. And so the, it was like 250, 260, and they would go one versus one to the death. The outcome was 250 to zero. The Polish didn't lose one swordsman because the Japanese swordsmen, they had these very expensive, elaborate swords, and they only used them against peasants and people who didn't have weapons. So, of course, they were undefeated. And these Polish fighters, they grew up in school fighting and fighting in the streets, and, and it was part of their life. They could attack and they could defend, where these Japanese swordsmen, they could only attack, right? And so I thought about that. I said, Lord, that's where the church is today. They only pull out this big shiny weapon and chop the head off of something that's defenseless. When we should be like the Polish, where we've been defending, we've been defending, and we've been losing ground in abortion, and we've been losing ground in the homosexual agenda, and we've been losing ground over here in our schools because we're taking our kids out of schools. And we're losing ground over here in politics. Right? And we're defending, but it's time to fight back. Not in a literal sense, but with this. This is your sword. It's time to stand up for the truth and not be afraid. People are afraid of being canceled. That's a thing. They cancel you. They ruin your life and your job. And they put all your information out on the internet. It's called doxing. They dox you, and then they harass you, and they harass your family, and that's scary. But we're not to live in that fear. God's called us to stand up for the truth, be instant, in and out of season, right? So Genesis, take the Bibles, Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. Remember, we've not been given the spirit of fear. And it says, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return into the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And in Hebrews 9.27 says, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. It's not very hopeful, huh? Right? We cling to this life and all it has to offer. We hold so strong to this world material we've built around ourselves, our physical bodies. I was eating something at the table and Rachel always says I have half a conversation in my head then I spit the other half out. She's supposed to know what I'm talking about. So I'm sitting here eating a bowl of Cheerios or something. I said, you know, Rachel, we're all going to die. And she said, oh, Lord, he's lost his mind. But you are all going to die. Even the Lord himself died 
a physical death on this earth. Amen. Do we think we'll escape that? Do we think we're going to get out of that somehow? Do we think all of our, unless we're raptured, do we think all of our understanding and with all of our medicine, we can somehow cheat death? Do we think that? Or have we become so enlightened that we believe eternal life is in a needle or a pill or a scientific breakthrough on the horizon? We're going to cure cancer. That's the answer. Right? Or we're going to manipulate genetics in a womb. We're going to manipulate genetics in a womb and filter out any kind of a genetic abnormality that a child may be born with. We'll even make it so you can never even get sick. And somehow we're immune to that. Right? And if it looks like a child will be born with the birth defects, we'll just kill it. Because life has no value, right? Before it fully becomes a human. And that's ground we've lost as the church. This topic of abortion is at the very center of what we're talking about. Life and death and ground we've lost. Somehow the church let that happen. God allowed it. But could it have been different? We won't know. Except on the other side of eternity. And now the... Uh, the subject of abortion is uh, the whole argument isn't when is a life a life anymore is when it's viability what is the earliest that we can take this clump of cells in a human body hook it up to some tubes in a bed and let it survive viability it's no more of a question of life but how smart are we to make this clump of cells live? That's very disturbing to me. 24 weeks. 24 weeks with a 50% chance of survivability. That's the scientific answer for viability of a baby. 40 weeks is full term. Many of you women know that. I had to ask my wife. And I promise you one day it'll come when they get that down to 20 weeks with a 75% chance of living. They'll make it to where it's optional if you want to have that baby full term or not. It'll be your choice. We'll just take that thing out of you. We'll hook it up on these machines, pump it full of drugs, and you don't have to take the burden of carrying this baby. When the Lord said that was part of, this, that was part of the curse, but we think we're smarter than God, don't we? And then you can be back in your bikini Thursday posting Instagram pictures on Friday. Right? That's where we are. It'll be optional to carry your child or not. Humans can be so meticulous and self-absorbed about what and when and how we put things in and on our bodies to slow and reverse the ages, the effects of aging. It's almost a religion. And we think we're smart. There have been some that didn't die a physical death, and I do believe the rapture. Don't, don't misunderstand me, Enoch and Elijah. And some were raised from the dead, amen, where the Lord set aside all natural order by his sovereignty and performed a miracle. Does that make these verses not true? No. And if you don't like that answer, you have to talk it up, take it up with God because it was his 
It was his prerogative to do that for his glory. God wrote eternity in our hearts. Is that what the Bible says? And while we don't fully understand that or grasp that concept, we know there is something else past this physical life that we can't comprehend completely. I think God has put a natural fear in the hearts of men and women to draw them to himself. He uses that in our life. And men exploit that fear, don't they? They weaponize that fear against you. And you see this in the case of abortion. It's a good example, right? Your life is going to be ruined if you have this child. Your life is over, right? But do you know abortion? In 2019, the, early, the last facts I could find, $1.6 billion revenue in America. $530 million of that was funded by you. The taxpayer. That's ground we've lost as a church. That's what I'm talking about here tonight. Where we can take ground, we should. And we shouldn't live in the fear of the consequences of that. Because we're here on this earth to do the will of God. Not to try to eke out and build this material world around us and cling to that and make that our God and put our hope in those things, a hope of our eternity, our hope of our salvation and how much money you can accumulate or how, how many extra years here can you get, right? That's not what we're here for. Death is the great equalizer the commonality shared between all men and women, right? The ultimate end of every physical life on this side of eternity, leading up to meeting your maker. That sounds scary. It doesn't matter how old or how long or when or where you get there. Race, religion, money, economic background, gender, none of it matters. Death is inescapable. It's despite our best efforts. The moment we pass from this life into eternity, heaven or hell, we know we'll be given bodies fit for eternity. And men so fear this, right? They so fear this. When Christ defeated this on the cross and he took your sin, he took the sting of death, the power of the grave, he took it away. And we fear, the church fears it. And I've seen it in the church in the last two years. Christians, I'm not saying this church, but I'm saying Christians, people I know who went through this COVID and I've seen them do things that they lost all rational thought. And they succumbed to this feeling of hopelessness. And they turned to things that weren't God. This is where this message comes from. They turned to things that wasn't the word of God. They turned to medicine. They turned to counseling. Instead of getting on their knees and said, oh God, make me a man of courage in this hour. 
use me in this hour. The Bible says, quit ye like men. Stand up, gird your loins about. I mean, stand up, act like a man. Stand up for what's right. Stand up for what's true in this dark hour. And that's what God's called us to do. We don't fully understand or grasp eternity. And men fear what they don't understand. Think about Moses on Mount Zion. With the smoke and the fire and the lightning and the Shekinah glory is sitting on that mountain. And the Israelites are saying, uh, we're not going up there. Moses, you go up there. We're not going anywhere near that because whatever goes on that mountain dies. You go talk to God. See, because physical sight doesn't produce faith. It produced fear. Right? We're not called to live by this. We're called to live by faith. Because it doesn't produce faith, it produced fear in man. And in Hebrews 12, think about this mountain. Verse 18. For you are not come unto the mount that be, that be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which, which voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust with a dart, thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But listen, you are come unto Mount Sion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly in the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than Abel. That's why we can come boldly into the throne of grace. We're not looking at that flaming mountain anymore. We're looking to Jesus for our salvation. Was it fear when the Lord Jesus said, Oh, Father, not my will, but thine be done. If it's possible, take this cup from me. But if, if it has to happen, Lord, let your will be done. That wasn't fear, that was understanding. Jesus understood that everything in this life, including death, wasn't pleasing to the flesh. He saw past it, and he knew there was something far greater than this physical body. There was a will and a purpose of the Father in his life, and in his death, in his joy, and in his suffering. He understood that. Paul understood that the thorn in his flesh was allowed by God for a purpose. And he could endure that thorn because he knew God had his, his best interests out for him. Today would have told Paul, we have a cream for that or a spray or a pill. You don't have to endure that thorn in your flesh. We can cure that, right? But that was the purpose of God in his life that God wanted. And we would have cured it today. 
right? We're not called to live in fear, constant fear of death and disease. The media exploits these fears in humans for money. That's why. And power and prestige. That's what they want. They don't care. They don't want to report the news to you. They want you to be afraid so you keep watching it. And they make money doing that. One news station says COVID is decreasing. At the same time on a different channel, cases are surging worse than ever. One station calls the border a crisis. The other calls it a humanitarian effort. One station says there's vaccine, hope is here. And on the same day, one says that the, there's a new deadlier variant in the United States immune to the vaccine. Right? That's not scary enough for you? There's hornets this big flying around. Right? What are we going to call them? Big hornets? No, let's call them murder hornets. Because that's scarier. Right? They don't want to inform you. They want, to, they want to scare you. One news station says gun violence is up and the police are defunded and no one's coming to help you if there's a crime. The other station said gun violence is up because guns are bad. Same day, same times, different channels, two different narratives. The other day, Chris and I were talking, there's a rocket in space Falling out of the sky, it's Chinese. Falling out of the sky is going to hit somewhere on the earth at any time. The sky is falling. Don't go outside. You could die. Right? That's not bad enough. Israel and Hamas, they're shooting rockets at each other. The world is ending. It's all over, right? They know Christians and people watch Israel they know that they know that that is a story and they use that to pull and tug on you it's no wonder people are driving around with masks on by themselves in their car I don't get it I seen a guy had a mask on in his car finger in his nose you focused on the wrong thing Mask on, here's a girl, mask on, in her car, driving with her knee, text messaging, 80 miles an hour. Right? I'm not against masks. I'm not against vaccines. I'm not against medicine. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm against people putting their faith in things that have no hope. I'm against people putting their hope of salvation in anything other than God Almighty. It makes me mad when I see these things. I'm not mad at the person. I'm mad that, that these external things have penetrated their heart to the, to the point where they can't even operate normally or rationally in society. I've seen a man driving with a face shield on. What is in your car? What are you afraid of that's going to hit you in the face? I'm not picking on them. I feel bad for them. And we, we laugh about it, but it's not funny. It breaks my heart because so many are gripped in fear now. They're terrified to live. Christians lost the same in the same boat. 
People are afraid of everything now. Your food is killing you. The climate is killing you. The sun is hot. Diseases are floating around on every surface and in the air. No wonder mental health issues, anxiety, depression, and suicide is at an all-time high. And it's no wonder Christian singers and leaders are leaving the faith, if they were ever in it, I don't know, but they're leaving the faith through their Twitter, okay? So they got to tell the whole world through Twitter that they're not a Christian anymore. It seems like publicity to me. All hope is lost, right? We need a vaccine. We need a better president. We need a solution to the Israel crisis. We need a border solution. We need a stimulus package. We need to defeat racism. That's the problem. Racism, y'all. We need Jesus. Period. We need the Lord Jesus Who died for your sins. That is the answer. The rest of it. It's theater. It's television shows. Amen. It's a distraction. It's fear mongering. It's just noise. It's white noise. It's leaving the TV on in the background. That's what it is. Psalm 93 says this, and this is what I tell people when they ask me, are you scared of COVID? I tell them this, and it's serious. I don't demean it. I know it's bad. Okay, I tell them this. I say the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength wherewith he has girded himself. The world is established that it cannot be moved Your throne is established of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their waves. And this is what I tell them. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Yes, than the mighty waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. It doesn't say the Lord on high is louder. It says he's mightier. He's not just talking above all the noise. He's mightier. It's defeated. It's a tactic of Satan. It's our natural instinct to fear as humans. It's sin. It's sin. And we give in to that. When we don't put our faith in Christ for our solutions. It's sin. I was talking to a young lady. She was giving me her testimony a couple days ago. And she said this. It was a wonderful testimony. She said, I I didn't have a problem believing there was a God. I had a problem putting my faith in God. And I just blurted out. I said, God is able I would tell her that. I, would, I didn't know where it came from. I said, God is able. He's able. You know, what about the early disciples? Were they afraid? Sure. What about when Paul faced jail, beating, his reputation? That's a big one. Or when Peter was faced with death or stopped preaching. And his reply was, we ought obey God and not man. Think of Joshua fighting the enemies of God. When he said, have not I commanded you? 
Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you whithersoever you go. That was on my dog tags in Iraq. I read it every day. And I was lost. What about Isaiah? God said, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Do you think that they didn't think for one second that God is not able to do that? God is able to do these things. God is able to put our He gives us courage. We put our fears in him. We go to him with our fears, I should say. Do you think, do you believe what God said about life and death? And in Mark 4, 37, um, I, will, I think I have time to read it. I'll just paraphrase it. That's when they're in the boat with Jesus and there's a great storm and Jesus is asleep on a pillow, it says. And they said, Lord, don't you care? They're looking at this storm. And they said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you see we're about to die here? Don't you know COVID cases are surging? Don't you know big tech is taking over, Lord? Don't you care? And what did it in the in about he says he looked at the storm and he rebuked the storm. And then he turned back to his disciples and he said, Why are you so fearful? Don't you have any faith? That's exactly what he said. Why are you so fearful? Of course I care. Of course I care. I'll tell you this. I've learned this over the years. I would rather be in the boat, in a hurricane, in a tidal wave, with Jesus asleep, than safe on that shore without him. That's where I would rather be. Because I know the one who talks to the wind. I know the one who holds my life in his hands. And I believe he's able. If we're on that boat, we're invincible. If he's with me. If I'm in the will of God and I'm doing what he wants me to do, he's got me right here. Why would you fear? Why would you fear? Why does the Lord have to keep going back to the, his children and saying, fear not, I am your God. Fear not, I am with you. We're so slow to learn that. We're so slow to grasp that in the brevity of life. And I understand the brevity of life on this earth. That's what God says. That's what the psalmist says. Lord, teach me to number my days. Amen. It's a vapor. Grass withering. It's, it fades. And all these goods we work for is left for others to enjoy. Amen. And we're so afraid to lose those things. Our reputation, our goods, this life, this physical life. And we willingly choose fear over courage. Because currently it's easier to be that way. And we don't understand the current flight of afflictions. Right? Compared to eternity, which we don't get. We don't understand this four days of a... Uh, 
headache. You, know, you, you see what I'm saying? I'm not making light of it, but it's, it's current. It's current. We've got to grasp some concept of eternity. In the Old Testament, eternal is uh, translated only two times. Once in Deuteronomy and then once in Isaiah. And in Deuteronomy, it means it could be the front or antiquity. It could be before or it could be after. And in Isaiah, it means vanishing point, forward and backward. And that's a good definition of eternity. Forever in both directions, for, forever. We don't get forever, right? Amen. We don't get forever in both directions vanishing. God is eternal. God is eternal. We have no concept of that because he's not bound by time. We are bound by time. We don't have a very good understanding of time. Uh, I remember a story when Zane was a little boy. Um, he did something stupid, and I punished him. And uh, I said, he was five, right? And so we're, we're all stupid at five. He's, I said, son, you're punished for two weeks. Go in your room. And he does. And Rachel said, golly, that was harsh. And I said, why? He said, he doesn't know how long two weeks is. He has no concept of time. Neither do we. He comes out 20 minutes later and said, has it been two weeks yet? I said, no, buddy, you got one more week. Right? We, you don't understand. we don't understand how God can be forever in both directions at all times. We, I, don't, I don't understand it. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. God said, I am that I am, not I am that I was. That's a statement about his character. That's, that's his very nature, his eternalness, right? We must find our salvation not in pills and vaccines and bureaucrats, but the, and I find our salvation and hope and courage in this eternal God with these eternal promises. Amen? We must understand the shortness of this life in comparison to eternity. And we must find our strength in the living God, not the CDC or a bureaucrat in Washington who doesn't care about you. Amen? We have to find our strength in God, not our money or celebrities. Amen? And we put a piece of paper over our face. We stick a needle in our arm and say, now you're safe. Because this man in Washington, D.C. said so. Or you put a needle in your kid's arm. God have mercy. Instead of looking to him and saying, God is your strength. He's your shield and your buckler. He is your refuge and your strong tower. Have faith in God, son. Put your life in the hands of Jesus. He will protect you. He will lead you and he will guide you. Don't trust man, trust God. God is able. He is the eternal one. That's what we should tell our kids. God is your refuge. Don't trust God. Uh, don't trust man and his ability. Trust God. 
Hollywood can't save you. I've seen an ad for something called a health and wellness safety seal. It goes on a building. Now how stupid is this? And they got every kind of a celebrity, baseball player, actress, actor, white guy, black guy, uh, white lady, black lady, uh, Hispanic, every kind of a person in between, lesbian, gay person, and everything in between, uh, a professional athlete, to tell you to look for this seal on buildings. And if this seal ain't there, you shouldn't patron that building. Health and wellness safety seal. It's a service. They go in, they squirt some stuff, and they make it safe. At the bottom of the disclaimer of this seal says we cannot guarantee your health and wellness if you enter this building. It's foolish. And now you're safe because Jennifer Lopez said so. Some an elite actresses, actors, it's pandering, it's acting, it's theater. And maybe it's your money that your salvation and hope is in. You think about the farmer in Luke 12 that had so much and he filled his barns so much that he had to tear his barns down. Build new barns. and said, I have so much now. I'm going to take my ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And the Lord's response to him was, you fool, you fool, this very night your soul is required of thee, right? I have so much money now, I can buy all the thorn in the flesh pills I want. I can buy my way out of anything from here, right? And the Lord says, you fool, you fool, your soul is required of thee tonight. You're not going to escape it. Or should we be more like the Christians in Revelation? Who overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and loved not their lives unto death. And again, when Jesus says, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And again, Jesus tells us in Matthew, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Amen. Fear God, not man. Our brother Alberto, I listened to his message. He preached it four years ago. I found it. I listened to it. And it's a wonderful reminder of fearing God. Fear God. Fear God, not man. And I get it. I have known paralyzing fear. You can't act. You can't breathe. You can't think straight. I have seen horrible and terrifying events and circumstances at my time at war. And I'm not touting it. I was not a hero. I was a mechanic. But I saw the worst men can do to each other. I saw it with my own eyes. I seen the horrors. And I have peered around the corner of death. Rockets and bullets and mortars. And it's terrifying. The constant anxiety of not knowing when or how 
death may come at any moment. I get that. I, I really understand that. And I struggle with it today. I have known fear. I have eaten Popeye's chicken in Iraq. There's nothing scarier than a two-piece dark, spicy, served by an Iraqi man in a soccer uniform smiling at you. I'm still paying the price for that. That's scary. I've known fear in all seriousness. I've seen very scary things. Brother, you can come. Fear is weaponized by Satan. It's weaponized by the media, your enemies, the rich, elite, celebrities, people who don't have your best interests out for you. But fear has its consequences. And in Revelation 21, verse 6, fear has its consequences. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers, sorcerers and idolaters and all the liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You would think those other things were worse. But the first thing is the fearful. That astounded me when it hit me. I said, why is that first? Why is, a, why is fearful in forward in line and then, a, then an idolater? Fear has its consequences. I don't fear death. I fear not living life, if that makes sense. I fear not living my life up to the potential God has called me to do it here on this side of eternity. And I've said all of this to say one thing tonight. This is the message. If you've forgotten everything or didn't agree or are mad or offended, remember this. I pity the man who dreads the meeting of his maker. I feel sorry for that person that's scared of death because that is not a day to be despised if you're a Christian. Amen. When I come face to face with him who took my sin and bore my shame and gave me life eternal, I will fall flat on my face in eternal gratitude to the originator of life, the great I am, the king of the universe. Eternal gratitude. Amen. Do you know him in this way? Or, or do you dread this meeting? That's what I want to say tonight. Are you terrified of this? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight? If you don't know, do not leave. Get it right tonight. All of that, death, fear, life, natural instincts, 
Do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? Have you been born again? That's what the Lord wants to say tonight. The skeptic will hear this and they say there's no God. There's no heaven and hell. It's just nothingness. The postmodern will say there is no absolute truth. There is no heaven and hell. The sinner that loves his sin will say, oh, you're, what's, what's so different than what you're doing? You're just using fear to scare people. But the Christian knows I'm telling the truth. The Christian knows this is not a sermon about death. It's about life. Life eternal in Jesus Christ. Don't leave if you don't know him. Father, we just thank you so much, God. Lord, we know that you're our strong tower, Lord. You're our buckler, our shield, God. In you, there's hope. In man, there's no hope. In science, there's no hope for eternal life, God. You're our hope in this world, Lord, and the next. Father, I pray that you would touch the heart of any man or woman or child or anybody who might hear this later, that you would save them, God. That you would draw them to yourself, Lord. That you would show them the reality of the brevity and briefness of this life and the one to come. How it pales in comparison to knowing you, Lord. Touch our hearts, Lord. Forgive us of our sin, Father. If we succumb to fear, Lord, encourage us. Help us, Lord, to use our rational thought and your word and your spirit, Lord, to lead us and guide us through this world. And lead us in your way everlasting, Father. Help us to number our days and to trust in you alone, Father. And we just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.